0: Welcome to your next true crime obsession. Don't miss new BritBox original drama, The Sixth Commandment, which The Guardian calls as immaculate a piece of TV as you will ever see. You will hear evidence of extreme gaslighting. Help
1: me, please. I am going to be waiting on you, hand and foot.
0: Stream this plus the best selection of British true crime series anywhere, only on BritBox. Once you start investigating, you won't be able to turn away. Start streaming today with a free trial at BritBox.com. You've reached the Murder Between Friends podcast with Sherilyn Dale and Gavin Fish. Please stay on the line. This week's episode starts in three, two, one.
2: Hi,
1: Danielle. Okay, so... Hi. Thank you for coming on here, hey?
0: Thank you for having me. Maybe where we should start here...
1: I have a lot. I have a lot... I have a lot of questions. So Gavin, you spearhead where we're going to start and I'm sure I'm going to have some like as we go.
0: Okay. So for people who are watching slash listening, this is Danielle Winkowski. I've known Danielle for a couple of years now. I mean, it's been, it's been a minute, hasn't it, Danielle? Yeah. Um,
2: I feel like it's been longer than a couple of years.
0: Yeah. Maybe it has. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, Danielle's sister, Amanda, is the victim of a horrible crime uh you can go to my channel and you can see all about it but let's That's see, I'm actually kind of. i, it, did, Danielle. Oh, I want ahead. you to rush through
1: yeah i do want you to rush through it gavin but um i did kind of have that note that i wanted to talk about is I, I obviously want everybody to watch this episode like right now but if they're not familiar with amanda's case you have very easily digestible episodes they're quick to listen to give a lot of information you know, a lot of information quick. And you did four parts, right? Four or five.
0: Oh, I did like 98 parts. I don't, there's so many. I, I think Other there are like down the road. I think there are nine. Oh shoot. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well. Wow. Okay. So, but you have a four, you have a file of it, right? Like on your.
0: Yep. was okay. like yeah, eight you...
2: episodes or nine episodes?
1: Okay. Perfect. So I think there are so nine
0: I think episodes.
1: Ev- yeah. 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 So nine after episodes. this, Listening to this or before, however the audience wants to do it, go to Gavin's site. It is so well done. It's like a documentary, Gavin. You did such a good job with this. Well, you do with everything. For the rah-rah. But, I,
0: but listen, I want to rah yeah. rah Danielle here a little bit. She's gonna. I a know. Bit yeah.
2: But <laughs> um,
0: one of the things that I really love about Danielle from the first time we first met, the the first time we met was I went up to Buffalo, New York for a rally at her mom's house. And while the rally was happening, Danielle and I and an unnamed third party were kind of standing in the background chatting. Her her sister, um, Amanda, and Danielle were kind of in the same boat. Uh, do you think that's fair to say, Danielle, as far as what your life experience was at the time leading up to what happened I, to I mean, abs-
2: I mean, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, as I was standing there talking with Danielle, I was like, dang it. Had Amanda been given the opportunity, she would have come out of it the same way Danielle did. And I'm sitting, I I think I might be like 10 years older than, than you guys. But I, I had like this swelling of like paternal pride. Like, look at this woman. She's rad. She's come through. She's overcome. And, uh, and that's why I love Danielle. She's, she's awesome. So I'll stop embarrassing you. you. Very quickly, Amanda Winkowski was 20 years old. Uh, She was um, in a temporary living situation between the time her family moved away from the town she was living in to the time that her sister, her other sister, was going to move into town and they were going to room. Amanda didn't want to leave town because she was starting college. And so for just a temporary time, she moved in with... I'm going to use air quotes here, a family friend, a guy named Adam Patterson. Adam was not a friend, but the family had known him a long time. He proved not to be a friend. But in those couple of weeks that Amanda was living with Adam, she disappeared. Uh, And it turns out that he was the last person to ever see her. And then seven weeks later, her body was found thrown away into a garbage can In the Buffalo winter, she was completely frozen solid. She was naked when she was found. She was upside down in this garbage can, which was placed in kind of an alcove of a church. Like the, the building was built so that there was like this little space in between wings of the, of the church. Mm -hmm. But that little alcove was directly across the street from the house of the last place that anybody saw Amanda Winkowski alive. It was the home of Antoine Garner.
1: Right. And that is what happened to Amanda. And from there. So I, I loved the way that you opened that in your episode where everyone goes, okay, like, so we kind of are getting the picture here. So she was murdered and then you go, um, and her death was ruled an overdose.
0: Correct. Yes. So that's, I guess that's us setting the stage, Danielle, a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know what what questions do you have, Sherilyn?
1: Oh, gosh, like so so many. Um,
0: <laughs> I just put you on the spot.
1: You're like, okay, okay, I, and you know me, like, uh, yeah, I, I'll I'll go like for days here. So, um, I guess first of all, like. I'm going into terms of just like the lifestyle because I have very close uh, family. Um, I'm not sure if they'll... I should ask if they're, you know, in a later episode, if they're comfortable for me saying who it is Um, because I think that then it's just even more relatable. But a very close family member of mine um, was an addict. Um, I think she's like 15 years clean this year. And so through that, her journey of getting sober. Um, I was in like, uh, AA meetings often, CA meetings often. So I've been able to see that side of things and how misconstrued, um, people who have never experienced that or never known somebody to be addicted to something can take something. And I think that that's really a big part of like Amanda's case, right. In terms Mm -hmm. of, Um, how the investigation went and, and stuff like that. So I guess like, I I just want to know what that's like for you to want to fight um, and, and show more of who Amanda was. Like I, when, even when um, her boyfriend was on Gavin's um, uh, podcast talking, she was, she sounded like somebody who was like fiercely loyal, who would do anything for other people include put herself at risk. So I really want people to hear about like who Amanda was, like aside from, you know, getting caught up in something that truly just takes over your life and you have no control over, like she was so much more than that. So I want, I want to hear, you know, another story of, of fiercely loyal Amanda. There's so much more to a person behind their addiction, right? Like an yeah. addiction is that that's not who they, they are are were or what they should be defined as, and not an excuse to not, you know, to just like toss away an investigation. So when people get to know who that victim is, it makes them fight so much more because you know, right? Like you're like, that is not who my sister was. This is who Amanda was.
2: Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. So it's something that um, I have dealt with this whole entire investigation um, is the stigma. And I think Uh, the stigma on addicts and, and how, you know, they chose their lifestyle. So this is where, you know, what they put themselves at risk. Um, But what they don't understand is, is first off nowadays, if you don't know someone or have a loved one that has, has dealt with addiction, then either they're very closed off or there's very select few because, um, Or it's, you know, the black sheep of the family and they don't want to open up about it. And, you know, they're they're but it, it, it can be from people that are born in poverty to people that are, are rich and have tons of money with a, with a silver spoon in their mouth. You know, it, it isn't, doesn't define who the person is. And honestly, Amanda was closer to sobriety. I feel like than I was back then. Like I, she, she, I don't want to say everyone, but a, a big part of uh, addiction, you go back and forth with it. Like it's, it's for a lot of people, it doesn't stick the first time. It's, it's, it's very hard. It it, it grabs you. It like steals your soul. I, I yes. that's a whole nother ball game, but it, it just, it, you, to feel well is all you want to feel and right. it's, it, it nothing else matters. So even putting herself at risk, cause that was my biggest thing about the East side of the, of Buffalo. Like, Amanda knows better. Like we know better living in this area. That's like the place you don't visit. That's the place, um, especially being a young white girl, like, or even pretty girl. Like, I mean, you just don't put yourself in that situation, especially with what we were up to at that point. We were, we were, you know, with our addiction. So, um, it just wasn't who she was, but she was Adam, I think is the biggest part of this was because she trusted him. She was, she didn't think that he would ever. like, yes, she went into this house, but I thought she probably thought never in a million years would he just leave. You know what I mean? If something were to go wrong, why wouldn't you
0: call the cops? What what was the relationship that Adam had with your family? How did you guys know Adam Patterson?
2: So, um, my stepfather, um, He's no longer married to my mother, but he was for 15 years. He's actually my two youngest sisters' father. Um, he grew up with them. He went to to high school with him. They went they went to the service together, and so they he knew them. Like, I wasn't somebody that we all knew, but that was our stepfather. And um, we had gr- moved out to Wheatfield, and we we're living out here for a few years and he had come over all the time like we've seen him you know with our stepfather and um that was kind of the gist of the like no one was close to him besides John but i mean it was our family so that was kind of how Amanda and i guess she saw him out one night and they kind of created a friendship um and she was 1920 now so she was able to have adult relationship. She, she bartended. So
0: people probably need to understand as far as the area. So yeah. Tell us about, I guess the area, what, what was happening at the time?
2: The area. So my mom had, um, she actually, that stepfather, um, she actually had split up with him and she was in a new relationship and she moved. Um, so they moved out of the house they were living in and she was moving in. She was moving in with her, her then boyfriend and he lived out. it was like Eden or something somewhere far. And um, until they moved into their new house that they got together. And that's why Amanda didn't want to go out to Eden with them. Um, I I might be saying the wrong place, but it was far. Yeah. It it was like somewhere like Eden, I say Eden, Um, but they weren't there long. They were only there like a month or so, but it was during a, a breakup and and a new relationship and, you know the older kids are like well i don't want to go move out there i want to stay here and that type of stuff right yeah. So it was the so-
1: the and that and that, that does happen right like when you've got little ones and it's it's not like a different family dynamic but it kind of is it's like okay like you've got like the, the stepdad and the mom with like the new little nuggets and they're kind of redoing that from scratch and like that's very similar to my upbringing because I had um, a sibling who came a year after my 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 oldest daughter so it was like I was already like doing my own thing and yeah. and so Amanda wanted to stay and she she was older I mean that that's not. Yeah, and request.
2: Had, and she had plans. My oldest sister had lived in Vegas and um, she was moving back and they were getting a place together. So that was the whole, like she knew Carolee was coming back within the next couple of months and they were going to get a place together. And um, that was her next move. So she was like, I only need, you know what I mean? A few weeks to a month and I, I'll, I'll be moving in with Carolee. So she, her job was out here. School was out here. So she just didn't want to move an hour away and and uproot everything right. she had going on especially especially with everything that had gone on she she right. had come a long way when, when it comes to 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 getting her sobriety under control she, she before that she couldn't hold the job she she had all her schoolwork in place she had you know she had figured out the suboxin clinic which at that point back then was a very hard feat like it wasn't like as simple as like going to um addiction specialist now and being like I need suboxone or I need methadone or whatever the case may be back then like there was doctors getting arrested left and right for illegally prescribing them you had to like jump through hoops it was oh, like wow. oh yeah you can get suboxone but it'll take you 8 weeks to get it so like in the meantime people that were on addicted they they couldn't just wait 8 weeks they would right, end up out on the street you know what of i course. mean
1: yeah yeah so, much so- easier said than done
2: I mean, especially back then, and I don't think people realize the difference, like nowadays to back then. Like it was not; it was a very hard feat to get to get a suboxone doctor enroll and like get it all going. Like it it was a hard thing to do. Right.
0: Well, and when we're talking back then, just to kind of set the time frame, Amanda went missing in December of two thousand eight, and her body was found in January of two thousand nine. So we're talking. I can't do the math 13, 14 years ago. Right. Almost. Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Holy cow. Danielle in five days, that will be the anniversary of Amanda going missing
2: December yeah. 8th,
0: right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: December oh, 5th is when she went missing. 5th. Yeah. December 5th. December so, 5th. It's so two days,
1: days. Yep. two days. Yeah. Yeah. So when this How's episode airs, it'll have already gone. I was, that's was one of my questions. How are you guys doing? Um.
0: This I was, is a hard was time here just... for Leslie.
2: It really is. She, she kinda, you can already see it like on her social media. Like she, she never stops posting, but like she gets back into like, I think it just brings her, I was just talking about it yesterday about her and like how she, she really has come a long way. I really want to give her that much, but for such a long time, it completely changed the person she was. Like it really did. And, and I don't think she'll ever be the same, but, um, this time of year is, is exception is exceptionally hard for her. Cause like, I think she just relives every, every moment of it. You know what I mean? Like she just, and I think it gets in her head too, that, that there's still, that's that her biggest thing is to get justice and and she's still not there.
0: Well, that's one of the things that I think is maybe more important for those of us. Well, my mind is going faster than my mouth is able to do within the true crime community. Sherilyn and I have talked about this a lot. It does feel like people are just after horrific stories a lot of times. They just want to be horrified by terrible stories. But you and Leslie and the rest of your giant family, I mean, this is a big family. Um, You have to live with this. And now we're coming up on 14 years. Um, how, How are some of the ways that... Right? Isn't that like 2008... Yeah, it, I was like, is it been that
2: 2008 to 2023, it would be 13, to, 14, 15, 15, 14? Oh, 14. Oh yeah. 14 years.
0: Yeah. yeah. So like, wow. what, what has changed, for example, in your mom? What's the difference between who yeah. she was prior to this versus who she is now?
2: Well, I, I do want to say, like I said, she has come a long way, but for a long time, she, I mean, she eats, sleep and, and like breathe for all, <clears throat> all day long. It was Amanda, whether she literally would have a phone attached to her. Like that's besides the point, but I mean, she literally, I can't imagine the stress. Like she literally was making calls to lawyers and this person and that person and, and whoever it may be. I mean, that phone was never off and I'm like, can't, you need to eat. Like you need to sleep. You need to till four o'clock in the morning, every night talking to people about what, what to do next and who so-and-so. And she still to this day, has people reaching out to her on a regular basis, like oh, a regular basis, yeah. whether it be people that were in prison or people that had, and I, I cannot imagine as a mother because I mean as a sister, but as a mother to have to deal like, and and then you have to like kind of talk her off a ledge on some of this stuff too because it's like okay, like yes, absolutely, some of it I I absolutely uh, believe, but then some of it these I don't know because I don't know if people there's so many plausible scenarios of who was there and who did what, but we, what it boils down to is Antoine and Amanda, you know what I mean? Like, but there's for so many years, you know, you know how it went. Like the cops or the investigator. Oh, that was, he wasn't credible or he can't tell us that that happened or just things that in any normal day scenario should be fine. And they would say that it wasn't good enough or it wasn't okay. You know what I mean? I mean, even stuff that we've done, like they, Oh, you know, that's not, they just don't, they don't call us back. They act like it's not a big deal when in any other scenario, that person should be in prison and charged with her murder. And it should have never been an accidental overdose to begin with. Just like the whole thing. Well, I don't know. I'm going to talk in circles now. So,
0: (laughs) No, but it's absolutely true. This, uh, this is the first case in a chain of several that i've looked into that where something horrible happened and then for reasons that are unknown to me that can't be explained with any level of rationality or logic um they just kind of sweep it under the rug it's like a second victimization right so yeah, 100%
1: yeah the
0: the very first thing i ever heard about amanda Winkowski was oh she's an addict she was a prostitute it's like just immediately just in order to maybe marginalize her a little more make me not care about her or make me care about her less so that i won't work as hard and that Which just is ridiculous, and we've
1: had this conversation. Oh, and then, oh, okay, my blood just started boiling because <laughs> this is what's so ridiculous is that I, they, we, I don't, and I don't even know where to start. But it is conversations like this. It's it's having it's it's having people listen who have no idea what that lifestyle is like, having no either not being in it, not knowing somebody from it, even if. Somebody came up to you and said, oh, yeah, Amanda was a sex worker and she was an addict. What does that matter? She is a human. If that was Mm -hmm. true, it doesn't change somebody's uh, deservingness of justice.
0: Yeah, their value, right? Their value. Their
1: value, (laughs) Thank you, Gavin. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I and and that it makes me so mad when I hear things like that, or when and when somebody a, a victim is defined like that um, in any story. And and I guess that it is important to a story if you're trying to lay down a foundation. So I think that it's the responsibility of people who are digesting this type of content or who are reporting about it and talking about it to take that minute to explain that this that. It, it's not, it doesn't define somebody. And if that was their lifestyle, that did, was their lifestyle.
2: Did Gavin ever explain to you though, that like, Amanda didn't have a past of that. Like, right. Yes. Yes. We know things at this point, but like someone else shared that. Like it was right. like, they brought that into the picture. They tried they, to, they made yeah. it part of the story when, Yes there is parts of the story that need to be told but like it wasn't like she had an arrest or she had any known
0: there's no even criminal from record. Us,
2: we, yeah right. like we learned about it through and it wasn't I don't even want to say that's exactly it there's no criminal record there was no nothing like and basically the media told us that even something existed in the first place and then there was you more to the about story
0: through like, the media
2: yeah <laughs> like we didn't share that. And then I learned while she was missing, I learned while she was missing that she, cause I I think I've told you this before between Polly and all the situation, but basically he was, I was like, why didn't you tell me? And he was like, well, she would have killed me. Like it was that new. It was like within a few weeks, like we had no idea until she was missing that something like that was even going on
0: actually that that is a good segue into my next maybe comment slash question Danielle just the other day I was uh standing in like a city hall in a little town out here in PA talking to the chief of police of that town and we were talking about you know the different um the different drug epidemics that have happened in that town over the 30 years that he had been policing there and you know he was describing what you were describing before like when the economy was gangbusters out here in Western Pennsylvania because of the oil industry and everything, then he was always dealing with cocaine. And then when the when the uh you know the economy tanked, the oil companies moved to Texas and stuff like that, then it became heroin, it became methamphetamines and stuff like that, right? But one okay. of the things he brought up was that no matter what was happening in the drugs in the drug, I guess, well, what he said was that when heroin hit town, the, the people who were addicted to heroin, it was a very different addiction because they weren't chasing a high. They were simply trying not to be sick. Like once, once they had gotten addicted, which took once, right. Then they start to come down from that. They're getting sick. So now they're chasing, trying to feel well. Right. And yeah. then the decisions that they make are based on that. What's going to, what am I going to be able to do to be able to get heroin so that I'm not sick right now? And that leads to, um, uh, you know, robberies and that leads to lots of other criminal enterprises. Right. But exactly. can you describe, okay. I mean, You and Amanda were kind of in this boat together at the time. Can you describe what that experience is so that maybe we can understand what was driving Amanda to make the decisions she was making?
2: Yeah. I mean, first off, think of, you know, all your morals and all of anything that you ever thought that you would never do. First off, you would never do heroin. Like, okay, I'm going to try this drug, but I'm never going to do those hard ones. Like I'll drink and smoke weed. I think all young young teenagers or teenager, or young adults um, that go into that, to so that to making those choices, you know, they always promise themselves, okay, we'll try this one, but we're not going to go to that one. Like we'll never do that. Um, and then secondly, think about everyone that you've ever loved and how bad you're hurting them. And at this point they know. When it gets to that point where you are stealing um, from your loved ones, from stores, risking getting arrested, like whatever it is to make it so you can get that fixed. That's why they say like, oh, you sell your soul to the devil. But you literally feel like that. You don't even feel like yourself anymore. You literally feel like you're not even you anymore because you've, you've gone against all your morals, everything you've ever promised yourself. And like, even though you might not think about this stuff on a daily basis when you're in active addiction, you do, because you broke, you broke every promise you've ever made to yourself and you do it to yourself on a daily basis, let alone your loved ones. Um, Right. Nothing else matters. And as sad as that sounds, like you just want to feel well and you keep promising yourself, like, this is the last time, like next week, you know, tomorrow or next week, or once this money's gone or whatever the case may be, like, I'm not doing it ever again. And then you, you're you really all into it when you're, when you're okay, when you're, when you have your stuff and you're okay, you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm never doing it again. But as soon as that starts to creep in, even when you don't physically have stuff anymore or money, you can already physically start to get sick. It's so insane. Like your mind is right. a crazy thing because you physically know what's coming. So like, you're like, oh my gosh, like I need more now. So I don't get to that point again. It's just, right. It's been a long time since I felt It's like a,
1: it's like a fight or flight, right? Like it's like yeah, a fight or I, flight. You know, nobody exactly. wants to feel uncomfortable. Nobody wants to feel like what like no different than being sick, you know? Like we we treat that. We but want to feel better. We
2: do everything that we can. But it's I can't even explain it to sickness because like I physic I have tw- I've had 12 years October. I had 12 years sober. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And <clears throat> even now thinking about it, like I can get anxious. I could get anxious thinking right. and talking about it. And I don't feel like that anymore. Like every day, every year, every month, like that's gone by, I've been fine. But I can feel myself like talking about it. Like you can relive that. Like it is, it's a fight or flight. It's a trauma like that. I can't imagine yes. ever going back to, but it's just, it's so much worse than some illness. Like I don't want to anyone to ever compare it to the flu. Yes. You get cold sweats and diarrhea and shaking. No, and like no. Yeah. Chicken skin. Yeah. You're literally not comfortable in your own skin. It's so much more than it's just fight like, or your
1: flight. You're trying you're trying to stay alive. Like you're yeah. like I do yeah. not want to go,
2: yeah. go there. Like you, yeah. f- you feel like you're gonna yeah. die. And like I know that might be but it's bad. And it only people that have experienced yeah. it can understand it. Like
0: it's just awful. Right. So, so Amanda's in the middle of this.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So Amanda was yeah, that's exactly it. It'll make you do things like you said, you'd I'll never do this. And then, you know, like once that one you know that yep. one threshold has kind of been crossed. There's like a little bit more leeway to cross the next one, right? Okay, well, I I might be able to do it this way or go over here, and I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable. And for her, you know, it also plays into people that you're hanging around with and that she's trusting. So she's probably in that moment talking herself through. It's okay because yeah, yeah, you know,
2: like I said, out yeah. here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: What is the theory here? Like, the, what was there the connection between Adam and Antoine? What is this? Because we there was a past where somebody had also brought someone to Antoine, correct? Who survived. But it sounds like that's what Amanda had gone through.
0: Oh, yeah. Go you're ahead, talking yeah. about uh, Celeste. But it yeah. wasn't oh, Adam oh. who brought. No, it was
2: one of her friends.
0: Maybe we talk about Antoine Garner here a little bit. Okay.
2: Yeah. I'd Antoine like to, Garner
0: yeah. lived on the east side of Buffalo. That kid, um, like I hate to use the word in fair or the phrase in fairness to him, but in fairness to him, he never had a shot. That guy was born into the hardest, most abusive place. It makes me like thank my lucky stars that I won somehow the lottery of loving parents, right? But Antoine Garner, either because of who he was or how he was raised, was really a monster of a human being, a terrible human being. He had attacked sexually uh, multiple women from the time he was in high school.
1: Yeah, Uh, in high school. He did it in the school.
2: 16 (laughs) years old.
0: As like a 14, 15-year-old boy. Yeah, he was young and he was already giant, right? He was what was he? Six Six foot foot five. I think he eventually uh, became. uh, Yeah. Yeah. 350 pounds. The dude is huge. Right. And he was from the time he was a little kid. So he would throw around his weight, like literally and figuratively. And he would, he would attack these women. And there is another woman. Her name is Celeste. Celeste. She has gone on the record. She's been happy to share her story who yeah. was taken by one of her friends to Antoine Garner in what appears to be a setup like Antoine got him to bring her to him after which she says he raped her and tried to kill her. And she was able to talk her way out of it. Wow. She was, I mean, man, talk about like, I don't know, like in, in, in the most difficult, darkest place that you can possibly be. And she had the mental fortitude to manipulate him well enough to be able to leave. It was amazing. Yeah. But what did she say to police? Is Like, she reported this. What did right. she say to them? She goes, he's going to do it again. Yes. And someone's going to die. Right. And that was like, what, and a month? A month and a half and a man before me
2: oh my gosh it's infuriating yep october was celeste and amanda was december 5th so why was what was the
1: deal there Gavin? why was he never like why was he on the streets
2: and that
0: well go Um, ahead Gavin. you answer (laughs) no you i'd love to hear what you think danielle
2: um i think that it's connections um I, there's no way. I mean, he literally pulled a gun on a cop at 16, and they and they got rid of that charge. They got rid of the charges of him attacking the girl in the and I don't even know if we're allowed to share this stuff, but him attacking the girl um, in high school in the locker room. Um, no, are we, we can. It's, oh yeah, it's you out are. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's um, out there. It's so yeah, I mean, he's had charges that just how do you get that stuff to go away? You pull a gun on a cop right. and you're, you're out to, to just freely go do what you please. You attack girls in your locker room and that just goes away. And I mean, I understand he's a child. He was a kid at the time, but I don't understand how that stuff goes away. Then there was Celeste. There was, um, there was, wasn't there another one?
0: Tom, Tom,
2: Tom, yeah, Do you well him? that he ended up going to jail for robbing his house too though, but Tom, he had so many charges well, yeah, but like and...
0: but he, he was he was sexually abusing men and women. Antoine was yeah.
2: so yes. like
0: um in the case of Celeste, I think there I think what Danielle said is correct. he does have some connection to a politically powerful family in Buffalo, and number two, Celeste. Um, with all of her, like hero level, um, decisions and actions did not want to go to the hospital. she not, she did not do an examination like a post-rape examination, but again, Celeste comes from the wrong side of town. Celeste is, I was just going to
1: say, is this, was this circumstantial again? Like, is it, Oh, okay. The well, police we're not go, do okay well, you, you know, mess the with situation. the bull,
0: Oh yes. my gosh! Like yeah. it's
1: absolutely infuriating. Like he should have never even, been out.
2: Exactly. He was Correct. even arrested for for harassing and like menacing my mom. I don't even know like yeah. kind of some kind of stuff with her. Um, the blur- the burglary, even the rape that he went away for, like that stuff was old, and like got pulled back in, and they were like trying to say, well, at least he's in jail for something. Like that's oh, what they were trying to help get my it. mom. Yeah. Yeah. well they tried so, to if, know, at least She's in jail for something
1: oh yeah. my god and so he isn't I think yeah like let's let everybody know if they're not familiar for the, with the case he is in jail now
0: he's in but a maximum not security for, prison right now
1: yeah but not and he for, gets
0: out this year doesn't he 2023 I think 2023 Please? is when oh. his minimum sentence is so right. depending and on then his behavior he has behavior. to appeal
1: that right yeah exactly um which is terrifying though, because look at what he's already gotten away with. I mean, that's, that's another thing to consider even, here.
2: Even his brother in prison. Cause we do have people that we've talked to and we've through family, even friends, but like people that have become like, that have talked to us that, um, were in prison with his cousins or even Antoine, like cellmates, like things. And, uh, even his brother and his family, there's a lot of them that aren't, um, they're familiar with the, with the criminal side and, and prison and, and none of them are, I don't want to say none of them, but there's a few of them that are, are very, they know what they, they're, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but they all have visited prison and they're, and they're, they know crim- they're criminals or whatever the case. Right. And um even they said that like Antoine, basically Antoine they're he's their brother. So, because he's like one of eight kids as well. um mm-hmm. And they, but, like, basically that, like, he's the black sheep of the family, but they have to have his back. because, But the things he does, like, they are unforgivable. Like, they don't even want to stand behind him anymore, basically. Right. Um, through the through the grapevine, but, like, through through people in prison. But, like, basically they don't even want to stand behind him anymore because of the monstrous things he's done. And, like, what they know he's, you know, been capable charged of, with. Or, and yeah. yeah, capable of. So.
1: Right. So, and, him, and so Angela. what was that... Ca- what was that case that finally that he's now in prison for? What was what was whose was that? They what combined, was the circumstances there?
2: They combined the burglary charges, which Tom is a big part of Amanda's case as well. Um, but uh, they combined; he robbed his house. His his dad was a doctor. He robbed the house and so he got charged with burglary and then there was another rape charge for another It was a girl. statutory
0: rape. It was a statutory yeah. rape. A uh, 19 year old if I'm getting this, I'm probably getting the details wrong on this, but like a 19 year old came in to like file a like a paternity kind of like he's not supporting his child. Well, the child was like three years old, which meant she was sixteen when, uh,
1: wow, when okay, she
0: had the baby, you know, and he was right. much older, so, so they, were able, the, they, they were able, they were number to crunching,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay.
0: So it was a statutory uh, rape and then uh, a burglary charge against another character that's kind of involved in the story.
1: Okay. And um, what was his connection with Adam? Do we know? Um,
2: as far as we know, we don't know. um but it's in the police reports um that like he's arguing with man Antoine's arguing with man and street in the truck it just I've always felt like it was Antoine yelling at Adam because it was the black truck and telling him to get lost and that's basically why Adam took off and never told anybody what was going on and we didn't know till Sunday I mean he called me and said you know Amanda never came home but that didn't mean anything like I don't know the whole thing was weird if I don't know if you've ever watched, but it was just he was like, oh, he was a he called me and he was like, Manda never came home tonight. And I'm like, OK. So I called her work and they said she had she worked that day and um she was there earlier. So like I, I called my mom and I call and I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't worry about it. I said maybe she's, you know, Maybe she went to her girlfriend's or her friend's house and she, she fell asleep. Um, they She was working earlier. So what what kind of trouble could she have gotten in in a couple hours, you know? And uh, basically the next day, same thing. And I talked to friends of ours that saw her. And I also talked. And he said he saw her that morning. So I'm like, okay, she's really fine. He saw her that morning. Well, Sunday... Um, Adam called me and he was like, I took her to get drugs and she never came back out. And I said, you what? And he's like, I took her to get drugs and she never came back out. I said, where? And he's like, on the, uh, and then he said, like on the East side, I said, no, you didn't. Like, we don't have any dealers on the East side. You're lying. And that, you know, it stemmed from there. And then I called my mom and she came here and she went over there and he had her purse. And that's basically where the story started was from that right. day, from that point forward. And she went to Antoine's house that night and. That was basically where it all began.
0: Let me tell you what I think happened as far as a connection between, I don't think there really isn't a connection between Adam and Antoine. Um, Now, and I will never do anything to purposefully upset Leslie, but this might be upsetting to Leslie a little bit here, but this is. No, no, I want to hear it.
2: You don't think it was a drug dealer of his? Maybe.
0: I I don't think so because um, see what happened was Adam and. Amanda, not too long before that, walked into a print magazine, like a newspaper in town, and they took out an adult services ad. Amanda did. And I don't have the papers right in front of me, but it was not like a few days or a week before all this happened. So that's getting back to the decisions that Amanda was making in order to not be sick, in order to try to bring her life together together. She had at the very end, I think, decided I'll go ahead and I will, I will take out this adult services ad, right? Um, and they so, Antoine called and texted. Did the I, I? I apologize. That was I don't want to ad. cut you
2: off. Let me cut you off. Yeah, Just we're real gonna quick wait. Yep. So, I found that ad back when she went missing, and I found it through Polly. Mm-hmm. The cops did not find that. I found the ad, and they, Polly said. Amanda told him the deal was, was that Adam and Amanda were splitting, (gasps) were splitting the profits. It was like a 50, 50, 50, thing. And that's when I found out about the whole, and that's how we found out that he was doing, that she was doing that.
0: Yeah. So the, the police never found this out. This was all investigations from Danielle and the family and friends. Right. But when you go back, let me, let me say this. If you go onto my website, there are some documents that you can take a look at. But to protect Leslie, I have not published all the documents. Leslie took a giant leap of faith. She was the very first person to do this with me. She gave me access to everything, Sherilyn, everything, including the most um, disturbing stuff to her, like the autopsy photos and all that stuff, right? Right.
1: So which I can't even imagine my, how hard that is.
0: So my promise to her is to protect her her feelings on this so I don't put everything out, but I have everything. I have studied everything. Um, I, I have the phone records. Okay. Antoine started calling and texting that number. Right. I think that he was just like, I'm, I'm going to get lucky. Right. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. He
1: was calling in. He was
0: luring in, he was luring in the way he had done with with Celeste. So I don't think that Adam no. was some kind of like mule of women for him. I just think right. that Adam was her ride and they were splitting the deal. In fact, she had an appointment across town shortly thereafter. So yeah. I think she was going there to get drugs. I think Antoine probably promised her those drugs. He probably didn't have them, but he he probably promised those to her. Right. And then once she was in, she was in his clutches, man. There was no getting out yeah. of that. From the moment she walked in that door, that was the end. I agree
2: with Gavin, but I still think yeah. Antoine went outside. I agree with oh. you. I do. I agree. But I still
0: think he went outside
2: and told Adam to leave, and Adam listened. No. And he should have never. I mean, As
0: you regardless. would on the east side of Buffalo <laughs> when this giant monster is telling you to-, to
1: well, But you wouldn't leave your right? friend. You could still call the cops yeah. and be
2: like,
0: yeah, I'm not defending 157 Adam. Spring Street. I'm not defending Adam at all.
1: Yeah, no, 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 I know that you're not, uh, Gavin, but yeah, we're saying, uh, I, I I, understand that it's like, I don't, yeah, I totally agree that there probably wasn't the connection between the two, but it's like, why wouldn't you call the police? You know, like, that. why do you call, oh. why do you call Danielle and say, oh, she never came home? And and,
2: and you know, I would think that was his way of feeling guilty. guilty. I think he felt right. guilty. Yes. And I think he. I think he was a coward. And that's what I always said. I think he's guilty of being a coward, but, and I still think he's guilty because Amanda trusted him to take her there and be, and he was the one putting her up to this too, whether it was his idea, her idea, but he was the driver because I already told you, Adam started getting pissed like two weeks before that. If I picked Amanda up or if I took her and we went and got stuff because he was missing. I think that she was feeding his addiction too like with the money that he was making off taking her for her runs or whatever the case may be. And I do really believe that. Absolutely. But I still feel like, well, and it was still brand new.
0: Yes. It it was brand new. I suspect that. um, And this is just, this is just a theory. Um, But I suspect that Adam was charging her to, to sleep on his couch. I, but I think he was charging her in sexual favors. That's what I think. Well, and so, I, like, Adam is, is not an innocent guy here. The reason no, he didn't call no. the police is because he's a criminal, right? He, yeah, he, and a coward, yeah,
2: yeah. And he did. And that's why when he called me Friday and said Amanda didn't come home, Amanda called me Thursday and said she woke up and he was sniffing her dirty underwear. So I've told Gavin the story. Like, so I'm like, literally, why the hell would she want to go back there? She didn't even want to be there. Like, it was literally. Right. Like, she was trying to stay gone as much as possible. Like, she would come to my house, she right. would go, you know what I mean? She would sleep at her friend Polly's, she would sleep at girlfriend's house, she would babysit at her girlfriend's house, like, babysit her kids. So, like, she was trying not to go. That She didn't want that to be home. Right. But at the same time, and the day that she worked that Friday when he picked her up and they went to Antoine's, that's a whole other ballgame too. She was at work. They said that she got a phone call, and she was like, arguing on the phone like bickering with whoever she was with on the phone like saying she didn't want to go or something and then I guess he picked her up and um from what the the witnesses say at the bar that said that like she like her her demeanor completely changed like she was like annoyed like pissed off that like she had to go with him or something I don't know if she didn't want to do this one or whatever the case may be or maybe she just didn't want to who knows? I would assume no, it sounds like no,
1: maybe she like maybe he was working the phone while she was at work. And he's like, okay, we got to go here or whatever. And she's like, I don't want to go to that side of town. Absolutely not. And for whatever reason, he got upset. They got in an argument. And then, of course, she's never, ever going to think that that's what she's walking into, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did like, I don't know. But yeah, so and he picked her up from work and, and that was the last time anybody saw her. Was at okay. work a couple hours before, he, well, besides Antoine's house, but she um, picked her up from work, took her to Antoine's. And that was the last time she was seen or heard of until her body. So was to me, shot.
0: here's the question. This is the most important question. Who else was in the room inside that house when Amanda went inside? So when we look at uh, DNA that was collected from Amanda's body, They compared it with a DNA sample from Adam Patterson. They compared it with a DNA sample from Antoine Garner. Their DNA was inside and on Amanda. Yeah. Uh, But the DNA of, I think, a total of seven. Is that what it is?
2: I didn't know that there was that many. I I thought there was another male and another female.
0: Let me open this up while, uh, because I've got the docs here. Let me. Um, I have stuff. a
1: question while you're looking at that, Gavin, for Danielle. So yeah. um, there was um, an, an inde- another independent autopsy done, right? And it was that one that was done after the initial one of saying, oh, this was a, an overdose um, that. Kind of reaffirmed your guys' suspicions that this was not an overdose, this was murder. And that report said that she was strangled out in California, yeah. right? Am I correct? Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know yeah. if
2: you, yes, but there was, we were, we became really close with Dr. Comperini and um, they did, they even almost tried to arrest her and arrest our attorneys and tried to block us from getting all the files. It took years and years for my mom to get the files and, picture everything was oh her, we still haven't found amanda's organs her um there's still organs missing there's like her her heart's right. missing her parts of her throat her tongue like things that would help like prove and show things with what happened to her are, are still missing and they don't so know we're where we're still they are. here we're still there so check this, this out still missing. check
0: this out Sherilyn. check this out so <laughs> This case pisses me off so much. Yeah, I know. Like, Um, I might (laughs) go As they are interring Amanda at the funeral, a a person who I will not name comes up to Leslie and says, you really should get a second autopsy. And he is a person of, like, the position he was in was she believed him. Okay, I'm going to do this, right? So what happens at autopsy, and I'm going to get a little graphic here, Danielle, I'm sorry, but... um, is everything within the human body, all the organs are removed. We all know that, right? But when they're put back in so that the body can be sent to the funeral home and all that stuff, they're put inside a bag, like a red, you know, biohazard bag and put in back inside the body and then stitched up. Okay. So Leslie goes through this whole process and Gets the body shipped out to California to Dr. Comperini. And when they open the bag, there are organs missing. Like the Buffalo withheld them. And then what was it? Three years of arguing back and forth before. Yeah. Before Buffalo's like, okay, well, yeah, we do. Okay. Our bad. We do have them. No, we're not going to give them to you. And then more before they let Dr. Comparini come and look at the histological slides. They had to be there with
2: her. They wouldn't let them leave the premises. Correct. And she wasn't allowed to have a helper. They had over, what was it, like thousands, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of slides. And she had to do all the work herself. She wasn't, you know how you usually have like extra doctors helping you and like, especially when you have a case of this stature and files of this nature. Yeah. Yeah. And they wouldn't let, and mind you, like they wouldn't let her have any help. She had to do it all alone. Every single thing alone.
0: Like they just fought. By the way, Buffalo has fought, fought, fought against this. Okay. Back to the DNA, uh, including Amanda's DNA, there were four men, three women, one of which was Amanda and two unknown, but separate profiles. They just don't know what gender they were. So there are a total of nine people in the room, Amanda plus eight. Wow. That's what the DNA says. Okay. So that's the question that I have is who is in that room? Now I have pretty. Uh, and, Danielle and we, and has we those ran Tom. Too.
2: We ran Tom. Tom was
0: not there. Yeah.
2: Nope. And he said like he was there afterwards. Um, I didn't want to go, I don't want to go this route because this is a completely different thing. But I back then had seen um, a psychic. We've seen many of them throughout the years. And she told me there was three men in the room. And yeah, I'm not going to go into details of what she said, but she told me lots of graphic things, but she told me there was three men. There would have been three men in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And she just told me
0: Patterson. He was outside.
2: And that's what she told me. And she said, she told me Amanda promised that she was never going to do drugs again. Like this is, she wants you to know she like, I can, I can, it was awful. Like she had me like hysterical. I couldn't even believe the thing she was telling me. And this was back 10 years ago now, but wow. maybe even 11, 12 years ago, but it was crazy. The thing she was telling me and told me what she went on in that room. And, um, it was just, honestly, it was just really weird for her to be able to, to, to explain those types of things. And I don't know if you guys get into all that or believe that. And, and who knows? I Sometimes I think I do too, but I think some, some I, I don't think it's always
1: some are predators. No, yeah, some of them are predators, and they just yeah, more take advantage of vulnerable. Yeah, I know you are, Gavin, for yeah.
0: sure. <laughs> but, but the truth is, there were three men in that room. There were uh, two other women in that room. Uh, well, the DNA of those women—that was Antoine's grandmother's home. So one of those females could have been Antoine's grandma. A hair on the carpet, I mean, you know, it, transferred down. And it could been
2: exactly, and it could have been a dirty bed, like you never really know, exactly, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. but there were still more people there. There were still more people there.
0: And the question that Lynn asked Sherilyn asked, I always say Cheryl Lynn because I have a friend named Cheryl Lynn. Two words. I need to stop doing that. The question that Sherilyn asked was,, um, you know, why did Antoine get away with this? And I believe it's because of one of the people that was in the room.
2: I do too. Right. I do okay. too. I believe it, it was, I, we've talked to many people over the years and I still think Shauna's story is the most plausible. Um, I still think there's others that are telling the truth too, but that Amanda went down there. They were supposed to meet and there was multiple men there. They, they there was, I don't even want to quote it because I don't even know exactly which is which, but I still think Shauna's is pretty accurate because even the grandmother says that, that a man showed up to the house the next day asking for Amanda. And she said, he, and that was tank and all those things, Do you know, what I'm talking about Gavin. Yeah. Yeah. That whole scenario. And I still think it's true whether I still believe it. And I still believe the whole Shauna said that the girl, the other girl that ended up getting murdered in the hotel room, I still believe that they're all connected. I really do. Yeah, it's, it's the same it's a... circle of drugs and women. And let's just put it that way. I, I apologize. I don't want to say too much or say too little, but no, it was no. just basically a lot of things going on at that point where women were involved and drugs. And at that house, at Antoine's house, they would have women come over, lots of drugs, lots of
1: okay. people. That, so this was known to happen there. So this, you know, like, so, okay, that that's Okay.
2: And then sometimes I think it was just, anti- I don't know. And that,
1: that's the thing. <sighs> that's the well, problem, that's the, right? And that's, that's the, the problem with not event. doing a proper investigation and just writing this off when there is so much that is clearly there to, to give you those answers. This is torture. we
2: run off with this stuff, like we'll, we'll of believe course. this is absolutely it. But then someone else will come forward and be like, I was in jail with him and and this and this and this happened and, and, and yada, yada, yada. And it all is generally the same concept but it's still like if someone was there like why wouldn't they just say and just like sarah the three-way call like stuff like that why wouldn't people just come forward and why wouldn't the cops just make them explain the situation and 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 what exactly happened make antoine explain himself like why do we just let him get away with this he said that she he didn't know who she was. Then he went to, Oh, I sold her drugs. Oh, then she was my, you know, then she was a prostitute. Like he went, he like ran with the media and just like, let him, they let him flip his story 14 times. And that was just fine. And I don't know. And then they're like, Oh,
1: that's okay. But then when a witness comes forward, all of a sudden that person's unreliable because of their lifestyle, but he's okay to change his story, you know, 10 times it's infuriating. So, um, where, so, um, we've got Amanda's, army right like that that website for anybody who's wanting to follow um amanda's case and like how things um are going i mean it's 14 years now to light some fires under everybody and what what is like what can we do how can we support who can we put pressure on right now to have this properly investigated what are
2: you being told I don't know what to say to that because I don't have an answer because every, I tell my mom every time there's something new or every time there's, you know, someone helping us, I'm like, well, I hope this works. But I I feel like every time we're just like shot, like after a year of work or two years of work, like it'll just be like, oh, we're definitely going to get them this time. and, and, And there's no way that they can, you know, and then they're like, oh, like then we finally get to court and they're like, oh sorry, we're not going to hear your testimony or sorry, this, you know, this ain't going to work. Oh, they, they take our lawyers. Our lawyers will quit right in the, in the courtroom. Like, I don't even understand. We've had what eight lawyers now that like, literally <gasps> do years of work. And then like, they just all of a sudden can't, can't help us or family friend. One was a family friend for 20, 30 years of my mom and just said that he couldn't, sorry, he couldn't help us no more.
1: Wow. Like handed
2: this, like, just insane yeah. stuff that you couldn't even imagine. So, so honestly, I will tell
0: you I, one of the things that I was, I, I, I don't want to overstate, but I, I was one of the parties involved, like working with uh, Leslie and Danielle and a couple of other people in the background. We thought, you know what? If number one, okay, th- there's one major thing here. The the official story is that Amanda overdosed. That That is the, the thing. So we thought, okay, we're going to go after that and we were led in the right direction by another person. I want to, I don't, I know he doesn't want to be named, but the credit should go to him. I wasn't smart enough to figure this out myself, but once, uh, once that person gave me a little bit of a nugget of information, I was then able to chase it down. And within a couple of months, I was able to prove that there's no, there's no scientific way that Amanda overdosed the way they said she overdosed because the metabolites were not in her system. The metabolites that should be there are not there. So she did not overdose. Right. right? And that got to the point where even the DA told the news. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong with the autopsy for sure. Like he said that on the news. Right. So we're like, okay, so now he's not doing anything about it. So now we need public pressure. So a production company kind of came out of the, out of the ether as they tend to do with Leslie. I suggested, yeah, maybe we should work with this production company to, to maybe put some pressure, right? So we put some pressure, well, the production company puts us in touch with a lawyer who is able to do the work pro bono to sue kind of the way the Greenbergs are to sue, to try to force the medical examiner's office in buffalo to change the manner of death from accident to homicide right but we get to court after the da has said publicly yeah there's something wrong with the autopsy report for sure we get to court and they don't even allow us they don't they just the judge shut it down lost stamp next it what? was infuriating for... the system is broken up there The system is broken. What they said happened to Amanda. We have proven did not happen to Amanda. It couldn't have happened to Amanda. Right. And expert after expert after expert has said, yeah, they're right. It couldn't have happened that way. Right. The DA then goes, yeah, there's something wrong with the autopsy as in they're right. It couldn't have happened that way. Get to court. Sorry, you don't have standing. Goodbye. Ridiculous. Like Ridiculous.
2: And they even, even, even in the beginning, to they started with a pending death certificate. Or wait, did it start at undetermined, then pending? Then it went to accidental overdose. Like they couldn't make up their minds what they were going to do with it. It just seemed fishy from day one. They knew. Right. And even when they came out in the beginning, like when that whole month was a blur, like they even came out in the beginning and when they found her body. They said, "I'm not gonna say names because I don't even know what I can say or what I should say, but someone of authority came out and said it was like they, it was like a flip of a switch. It was like they decided everybody was doing what they should be doing. They were taking pictures when they found her body and stuff, and then all of a sudden everybody was like, this was an overdose like and he said it literally was like he was there and like it was like a flip of a switch. Everybody just changed their mind. It was like that they decided at the autopsy no longer yeah this is no longer a murder or a homicide this is this is an overdose and this is literally while they're taking their pictures and like treating it as a homicide or, or treating it as, as a, a homicide it's a crime period right. like whether what it is which still... is what you should do
0: no i'll go ahead and say what danielle doesn't want to say at the autopsy doctor uh what's her bucket what is her name i'm blanking on her name right now <laughs> doctor
2: uh oh yeah i am too i had i had it written yeah. down i forgot those notes Oh my God. I can't think of her name either. I'm thinking Kobolinsky, Pol- but it's not.
0: It's One um. Bl- She's doing the autopsy and the, you know, the homicide investigators are in there the way they're supposed to be. They're witnessing the autopsy. They're asking questions of the doctor, texts, all that stuff. Somebody with political power walks in and goes, there's nothing to see here. Makes the homicide detectives leave. This was not a homicide. This was an overdose and kicks them out of the room. What was her name? Vertus. Diane Vertis.
2: Yes. Vertis. Yes. Yes. You said it. I'm like trying to look oh, it up. And she, today, Erie County Medical Examiner.
1: She's something. She's something else to watch.
2: Well, we in and we even said to her back then we were like um, there was like bruises all over her body. I was with Amanda on a regular basis, like even uh, back then during the during those first like few weeks when everything was such a blur, we were like, it's obvious that this wasn't an overdose. Like, you know what I mean? And she was like um, she had like br- a big, like bruises on her arms and stuff. And she was like, and I, ex- I don't even exactly remember, but she goes, she was like, mm, yeah, but with people with that, that live her lifestyle. And I'm like, what, she walks into walls. Like, like she, I was with her the day before. Like she did not, not that you can't have a bump or a bruise, but like.
0: There's, there's one other dimension to this and that is the marks on her face. So yeah, Sherilyn, it, when you look at the autopsy photos, Amanda is bruised, and they're all like new. She she's like beat, right? And, and they even have bruises a picture. On her neck.
2: And you have a they have a picture. Of oh, so there is bruises on her neck. Yeah, right. A handprint, and then oh, yeah. you can see there's a picture that was obviously accidentally sent to us after those years of fighting in the pictures because they only sent us like no pictures at first and then it took the three years to get the rest of the pictures and there's the medical technicians like standing back and they're literally pointing at her neck like showing it. like pointing at her neck like look at this like look how awful this is wow. like up. i know yeah. i'm putting those words and in then mouth, in the but... report no, no, it's no, no. not
0: it's not in the report like there's a photo of oh them going holy gosh. crap look at all those bruises on her neck and then nothing in the report
1: wow but, i
0: mean you know how the Elmquists, Sherilyn, will say, if if our son really did commit suicide, we'll accept that. Yeah. I feel I feel that same I, I kind of came into a man yes, in I would love case to think she did the her, her something. Yep. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, let, let's see if if she did overdose. And then it's just like time after time after time. Like, no, no, did she did not overdose? No, she did exactly. not And they know she didn't overdose. And
1: that's the problem is that it's, it's, it's that, it's that they know that. And even if it's this, I don't know what I, I need to come up with a word for it because it's this word of this like entitlement pride factor that these investigators and, and, and specialists, you know, the, the, the medical examiners have where they cannot, some can, some can do a really great job at admitting error. But then it's like others can't. And why Why is that? Is it because there's this corruption going on? Is it because they can't, you know, like because they were told to say this is how this all went down? Like I don't understand how when you've got an, another, you know, examiner, another doctor, professional in your field saying – she was strangled. There was like multiple like-
2: doctors. There was ENTs. Right. Like, there was um, toxicologists. There were so many doctors that said that, like, this doesn't add up. Like, right. there, was doc- the, there was two. In- the one ENT said, like, there's no way that she could have survived the, the, the crushed hyoid bone. Like, there was a lot of factors. Like, so many doctors that came into it and said that, like, nope. Like, there's no way. And then even... People like investigators, cops, like people that came forward and knew that it wasn't that either. But it's like, I think the corruption is so high or whatever the case may be, or their, their boss or their boss's boss telling them like, nope, like this is what it is. Like,
0: yeah, I think you're right about that.
2: The cops the whole time said, we believe this is a homicide, but we have nothing to investigate without a death certificate that says there's a homicide. I'm like, which is absolutely ridiculous to begin with because I mean, I understand, but at the same time, like, if you know, there's a crime committed, like it shouldn't matter what that death certificate says. Like, exactly. I don't know. I feel like, but I understand what they're saying. There's no crime to investigate. If there's no crime, there's nothing. You know what I mean?
0: I've talked to the couple of the investigators from the Buffalo PD and yeah. they, the ones that I've spoken to have taken it seriously. They do believe Amanda was killed. But they still, the case won't go anywhere because there's power above them that won't let it go. So, and yeah. then even like, um, do you remember a little over a year ago, I would say the the cop who was the one who found Amanda's body came up to your mom at, I was at there. the rally? He, yeah. Yeah, I was there. Like he was yeah. sincere, right? He was like, yeah. he, he, was, he was sincere. He,
2: yeah. Absolutely. I, I'll never forget it. Like, cause I was standing there and when like, he turned around and like, they like, and he like introduced himself. And even that day too, like when they, he introduced himself and they both looked at each other and they both knew like they kind of like locked eyes and he was like, I am so-and-so. And she was like, who's like, I don't know who that is. You know what I mean? He was like, and then I think he explained who he was uh, and his name. I don't know if his name changed Duffy. or whatever the case may be, but yeah, the woman that was there that worked for channel two was now working at city hall. And she was like my mom, she did the interview with Antoine back in 2009 and was like, literally my mom and her were like every day together, like going on interviews and like talking every day. And she even said that basically they offered her a job, but it was like, they kind of tried to hush her up because she was the one that she was the one that was talking for us. Like it was her voice. It was her, you know what I mean? Like, and, I think they do that with a lot of the people that are on our side, even our first attorney, like he was literally at family birthday parties. And then all of a sudden he could no longer help our family. I don't know. I, I just feel like they know, they're, there's, they know where to get in and how to stop people and, and like basically tell them like, we'll take, I don't know. I can't quote it, but you know what I'm talking about, Gavin. Like it's just, yeah. they've halted everything that should be of like, Done. Open and door.
1: shut. Let's close this. Let's get this changed yeah. and just have justice.
2: Yeah.
0: Danielle, thank you for yes. giving us an hour and 15 minutes of your time.
1: Yes. We've and I'm sorry a house if it's full awful. We of awesome to. kiddos. Yes. And I love it. I personally love it being a mom. Um, and I think that a lot of people are going to relate to it because this is, you know, like this is, this is your real life. This is literally what we want people to know and what we want to see. And this is how, how your every everyday life is going. And you're awesome. a mama and you're still out here fighting for your sister, fighting for justice. Um, yes. So I think it's
2: thank real. You. Thank you. Yeah. Thank th- you. Th- thanks thank for joining for us. Me. Thank you so thank much. You, Danielle. And I will talk yes. to you soon. Bye guys. Bye. Jen. Right. I just want to Take care. Nice meeting Bye. you. Thank you.
1: Oh, that case is blood boiling. Okay, well, I feel terrible because I I thought I – this is my bad too. I didn't go onto my computer computer to see, like, I can access playlists a lot easier. So I thought I was, like, done, done and good on, like, oh, episode five or even, six.
0: Don't even worry about that at all. Yeah. The, um, I'm
1: like, I can't wait to go back. Back though and watch more, but my blood is gonna boil. Like there, I was screaming at my phone. And when that medical examiner, oh my gosh, pretty much every time you had her come on the screen.
0: You just I wanted... was
1: losing my mind. <laughs> yeah. I was the, losing um, my shit.
0: Dude, the um the way I found out about this case was I I was brand new looking at cases and I got a, like, I think it was a Facebook message or maybe a YouTube comment saying, Hey, you should look into Amanda Winkowski. And so I started looking at, looking at it. I found the justice for Amanda stuff. And then I reached out through Facebook messenger and it just so happened that Leslie was feeling good that day. She, people reach out to her all the time, every day it's, you know, everybody wants to cover the story. That particular day, she had just done a rally and she was feeling energetic and decided to answer Right, me. And uh, we became wow. pretty good friends. The, uh, the kind of sad thing about, like, it kind of feels like I dropped that the case. But what happened was we got involved with a production company and uh, they were developing a like a streaming show that was going to be multiple episodes and they were going to feature Amanda's case. And we all signed contracts to, to work on this show. And when my contract came due, I just didn't feel like they were well, well, what happened was they really wanted more out of me. They wanted exclusivity. They wanted a whole bunch of, of these different things. And I went, no, no, I don't want you to own me, especially if you're not, paying me because I'm doing a lot of work for you and and, uh anyway yeah yeah Leslie is still under contract through March with them so okay either something will happen and the show will go which is kind of what I'm hoping and they'll get a a whole bunch of attention on the case or if uh the contract expires then I'll hop back on the case and try to try to keep helping
2: Right. That's fair. The,
0: the, the people at the production company are awesome people. They're like, okay, they're great. I just, um, I, I guess I just lost faith in, in whether the show is going to be sold or not. And I didn't want to be held back from doing other things. So I didn't want to sign. And, uh, Which is uh, fair.
1: And yeah, uh, you and I had discussed that too, right? Because had you done that, um, you would have been very limited to all of the other amazing things that you're doing right now. Ellen Greenberg, Elmquist. um, So I'm hoping
0: that they knock the ball out of the park and there's like a documentary series on Netflix or something about Amanda Wincospey. But if there isn't, if that doesn't end up happening, then I'm hopping back on that case.
1: Oh, gosh, that would be amazing. Either way, you know, it's so it's so infuriating. And I think that's a, a really good thing to touch on um, for anybody listening right now as being like, OK, well, like, what can we do? And it's like at this point in terms of like going to higher ups or whatever, like that's it's been exhausted at this point. It's it's we need to you need to hit we call it hit the masses, get people mad because that is how things change. Yeah. This is the world in, we live in right now.
0: In Amanda's case, I think the the only thing that might because here's the thing. The police can investigate even though the death certificate says accident. They can. They just never do and they don't because when you get to court, the defense is going to say, "Hey, well, why this is there's no crime here. The medical examiner says there's no crime here." Right? And automatically there's reasonable doubt. So they never, they never finish investigating. They never, uh, you know, continue to, or they never prosecute. So I think what would, I mean, they still need to, oh, actually, I'm sorry. There's something, I love when these
1: plots come to you. I like changed my stance. I was like, what's up, Kevin?
0: There Let's is something that this. needs to be done. I was going to say the only thing that needs to happen right now is the DA, there needs to be a new DA. Right. But there's something else that we could all do. Okay. Okay. Um, I was searching through, I was searching through the, actually, I shouldn't take credit for this. It was another person again, brought to my attention, a photograph of Amanda in the second autopsy, a, a picture of her face. And on her face, there are two bruises that are like, they're like this on her face. And you can't, I couldn't see them on the first autopsy, right? So I go back to the first autopsy and I zoom in really close and they are there. It's just that over the time, the time difference between when the first autopsy happened and the second autopsy happened, they became more visible, right? But they are there in the first autopsy. And Sherilyn, the, the person who noticed them said, to me, that looks like a stun gun, Mark
1: i was just gonna say like a taser like a yeah like what correct what is that so
0: okay. i like did a very non-forensic thing i went to amazon and i found a picture of a stun gun like the most common one the one that was there like their recommendation then i got the <gasps> sorry like, so
1: i'm so sorry you can get this on amazon
0: You can get a stun gun on it. It's not the kind that shoots. It's like a handheld Can you you
1: imagine if somebody went through your Google history?
0: Oh, it's ugly. It's ugly. No, no, no. I know. I sometimes will. I sometimes tell my wife, so I'm investigating this crime and it has horrific information about what his searches are on his computer. So if, if I die and you come and see my computer... That is not me searching, okay? (laughs) (laughs) That is is me investigating that guy. Anyway, so I, you know, those handheld ones that you see on movies where they like poke somebody in the neck, go right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that kind. Okay. So you can get them on Amazon, and I go and I take a look at the most popular one. I then get the product dimensions. I then measure the points between the two tips. All like in Photoshop and stuff. And then I compare it to Amanda's because they have a little measure tape on the picture. Right. So I'm able to get the distance they are. And it was accurate within 0.02 millimeters.
2: Wow. It was like
0: bang. So I believe, I believe that there, that she was hit with a stun gun. So if you can prove that she was hit with a stun gun, then the whole idea that she overdosed just completely goes out the window. I mean, it does anyway because of the toxicology. So what the family would like to do is to raise money to do to exhume her a second time and do a second autopsy. I spoke oh with. Oh
1: my gosh. And how painful is that even like that we're here now. 14 years later. Yeah. Second time that they've had to make this decision.
0: Yes. And when I talked to Leslie about it, because so what I did is when when I figured that out, I called Kenny, my pathologist buddy, and I was like, hey, um, could you tell if that was a stun gun? He said, histologically, yeah, we would be able to tell that. And, and he gave me an entire explanation as to what happens on a cellular level when there's an electrical event. So okay. he's like, it's really going to boil down to. How good is the vault that she's in? Because the, none of them are watertight. How good is the casket? What is the condition of her body? Yes, okay. you should exhume her. Yes, you should have that looked at. And uh, this is what they would be looking for. So we think that's about a $10,000 bill to get that okay. done. The, the right. cemetery has offered for free to do the exhumation. Because they believe in, they believe that, they believe in Leslie. They love Leslie and they believe that Amanda was murdered. Which is huge. So they, on their dime, will exhume her. And then when the exhumation happens, the vault has to be replaced again. They already paid for a second vault. So they'll have to do that again, which they will do. They've volunteered to do. Um, Okay. So what we need to do is then find a lab that will do the work. And we think that's about you know, transportation and the lab work, the autopsy, the lab work, and then the reinterment and everything, all that's going to be about 10 grand. So, okay. So this is
1: what we can call to action.
0: So the best place to go is actually to my website, gavinfish.com click on cases, click on Amanda. I will reactivate the Amanda's army link there. And, uh, Cause it, it had, it had been deactivated, but I'll reactivate it. And, uh, um,
2: okay.
0: that's what people should do. The, uh, the Amanda's army link, basically what you're doing is you're signing up to, to receive an email at the time that we, that Leslie says, okay, we need to start raising money. So, okay. uh, so we're not asking anybody for money right now. Just join Amanda's army and say, yes, I will look out for an email from Leslie when, when it's time to go. And then we, we will. Oh, and I love that.
1: Yeah. Right. Which I think is really, really, um, you know, just says something in itself that they're taking their time, like not time, but like, uh, like making sure it's serious. Like we're ready to go. We're not just like reaching out, like to be like, (laughs) join now give now we don't really know what we're going to do we don't have a and I think that's really important for people to have that transparency and know what they're helping for when this is happening what steps they are and it makes people feel really involved and um you know like that they're they're doing something to help and that transparency is really important so it's that's really cool that the family is willing to kind of invite everybody in on this really painful journey
0: it's a it's an infuriating one uh And it was one that I kind of got my heart really set on because after Leslie gave me access to everything, she then was like, hey, we have a bunch of old computers that might have other stuff on them, but we don't know how to get it. So I went up to Buffalo and I retrieved a bunch of their old computers and then just methodically went through everything and I found old family photos. I found old videos. I found all this stuff. So it was, it's like, I've, it, I, I, you know, me, I always go back to that whole paternal thing, especially when it's young women, they always remind me of my daughters. So like, yeah. I, I feel, I feel that same way towards Amanda. This is somebody who has been marginalized by everybody that matters, right? The, the police, the, the political establishment, They they all marginalized her because she was an addict and because she was, uh, she had started uh, as a sex worker in the couple of weeks prior to her uh, to her death to feed that addiction, and nobody's been able to see past that. Every article that you read about Anna Wintourski, the young prostitute or the young drug addict, they like lead with that every single time. Makes people turn so wrong.
1: First of all. It does. And it's, uh, and it shouldn't. And that's what I, you know, like I said, at the beginning of this episode is that we need to get to a point in, in our lives as a society, like with empathy and compassion of if when you hear that term, like, oh, well, she was a sex worker. Oh, well, she was an addict. Your initial response is so So (laughs) what else was she like? Where did she go to school? How many siblings does she have? Does she have kids? Is she a daughter? Yeah, like, I don't really care, you know, what, what her profession is. Do I do I, you know, like, do we go into other articles or whatever, and be like, air, air everybody else's laundry, just because they were a lawyer, and they don't deserve to have that discretion?
0: Exactly. You know, there is a, uh, in my file, there is a, a letter from one of Amanda's teachers. So this is one of Amanda's teachers. She just wrote a short letter. Amanda Wachowski was an amazing young woman who doesn't remotely resemble the woman portrayed in the media over the last few years. Amanda was my student at Niagara Academy. She graduated in 2006 with a regents diploma. She was an excellent student with an exce- and an exceptional person. No matter what personal traits or trials Amanda was facing, she always made the effort to be in school and produce quality academic work. She was intelligent and hardworking, but she was so much more than that. Here at Academy, we tell the story that Amanda was the only attractive girl to ever come into program who didn't have issues with other girls. The other girls couldn't be <laughs> jealous of or angry with Amanda because she was just too nice. She won over the group immediately simply by being herself, friendly, kind, and caring. She talked to everyone. She listened to everyone. She cared about everyone. This is Amanda Winkowski. Oh, my Winkowski. God. I love that.
1: This is Amanda right. Winkowski, everybody. That's
0: Amanda. Amanda was a remarkable girl from a from a family who loved her Uh And her mom, Leslie, who we'll probably have on one of these days, her mom is, she says she has 12 kids. What she has are eight kids and four kids from the neighborhood who she helped raise, who she feels are her children.
2: So she had,
0: and and so, and she's that kind of person, right? She saw a person, if she saw some family in the neighborhood that, that was having issues or a friend of one of her daughters. One of her sons was having issues that that was the safe landing spot was at Leslie's house. And that's, that's the kind of person she is, the kind of family she is. And, uh, what kind of makes her that person that will care for other people is the same thing that's driving that she cares about her daughter, Amanda, right? She's just a bulldog. She will always fight. Yeah. It's a remarkable family. Really good people.
1: I'd love to talk to her. She sounds badass.
0: Yeah, to the bone, bad to the bone. She's amazing. <laughs> so glad we had Danielle on.
1: I'm so glad that was lovely to hear from her. And like you said too, it, um, it. I got the same feeling that when you first talked about Danielle and Amanda to me and brought brought their story up and asked. You know, if we should have her on, and the way you explained it is almost like looking into what Amanda could have become, right? And what she was robbed of, like of yeah, of having the little nuggets who are sitting on the screen. You yeah. know, their little eye poking into the corner and playing and hearing those laughs and and how that was taken from her, and she never got that opportunity to change. To make a a change of a a portion of her life. Because I do want to keep reiterating this was not who Amanda was.
0: She was trying to avoid the sickness. Yep. And, like, that's something that I don't understand. I I can't empathize with it because I've never experienced it. But I think Danielle explained it beautifully.
1: She explained it perfectly, yeah. And I do want to mention, um, in terms of, like, me you know, bringing up like what we do, like when we're trying to like feel better, you know, like we all don't like the feeling of, of discomfort, um, whether, you know, like we've hurt ourselves or, or, or we're sick or whatever. So we're, we're looking for ways to like, to help that amplify that by like, you're literally thinking that you're going to die.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I don't think, I don't think that any of us have ever been there unless we've physically been there. A, we, we almost died because we were almost dead, doing something for whatever, or we've been in addiction. And unless you have been there, you don't know. So it's like, it's like taking the most uncomfortable you've ever been in your life and living that day-to-day and trying to figure out how you can just not feel that.
0: Yeah. And she was, she was about to start at a Suboxone clinic. She was about to start college. And the very first time I talked with Danielle, she shared the story of how she decided to get clean. And I, like they all decide to get clean, but it's that it's way easier said than done. Right. But how she got right, clean was exactly. because of children, her children. Right. Right. There would have been something in Amanda's life that got it. If, if she hadn't been successful with the suboxone clinic and going to school and moving in with her sister, uh, Carol Lee, who really loved her, cared for her. If, if that hadn't worked, something else would have it would have been like Danielle. There would have been something that worked and, uh, and she would have, she would have gone back to being Amanda. Right. She would have. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, gosh,
1: it's heartbreaking. And then it's, it's, and then what's more heartbreaking is that that's, uh, you know, because of this portion of her life, it's, it's who she's defined as now uh, when media wants to talk about it or, you know, like, or, or the medical examiner and it's, and she's, you like you said, re-victimized.
0: Over and over again. Every time somebody says mm-hmm. the addict and prostitute who blah, 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 blah. Every time somebody says something like that or writes it, it happens all over again. And yes. Leslie hears that. And Danielle hears that. Exactly. Carrie exactly. All of them hear it.
1: Uh <sighs> yeah, it's, we need some changes.
0: Yeah. And, and we need to change, like, because I even find myself, I still find myself like these, this is, I've been through this experience with Amanda's family, the very first time in my life that I've known a family that's been affected by addiction. I mean, well, like Danielle said, they they're probably all around me, but this was the first time that like, there it is. And I'm facing it head on. Right. And, um, right. Even with all of that experience, uh, two years of that, uh, hanging out with the Winkowskis, it's a little bit more, uh, cause it was November that I reached out to her two years ago. Like I interviewed a, a guy here in my town who, uh, is in and out of the, of the County jail all the time. And, uh, it all has to do with, Crimes that he commits because he's a heroin addict. So he's trying to not, he's trying to not use, but he's using and he's, and he's, you know, committing crime after crime after crime. In those conversations, I catch myself in the back of my mind going, you idiot. Why do you keep doing this? Right. like, like the judgment, the judgment is still inside me. It's still there. The bias is still inside me. Even knowing the Winkowski's it's still right. inside me. So it's, it's hard to, I mean, we do, we do need to do something societally where we can overcome that somehow.
1: But I think that's really cool and uh, huge of you to even admit that and, and and say that because it allows somebody else who is exactly in that same boat as you to be like, oh, okay. Like it is okay to maybe like think this way right now and and recognize that, that I need to open up my, my mind, my heart, my, my understanding of it, you know, because it's hard to understand things that we don't understand, haven't been through personally. Right. It's like putting yourself in there and, and constantly checking that and reminding yourself like, okay, like you're recognizing that, that that's a judgmental side that needs to, to change. Yeah.
0: That's the only way you can change is if you recognize it first, I guess.
1: And that's huge. That is so huge. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, like these things take time. It, it takes, it, yeah, it takes that constant self-evaluation of being like, oh, I'm kind of being a little judgy right now. And I'm judgy in, in other areas of my life, I think, you know, like in, in other things that I haven't experienced. This particularly, it's just because it's it's been around me for half of my life, right?
0: Yeah. Danielle once told me how... It all started with them, and it was okay. She was able to narrow it down to one party. There was one party, and she tried a pill. Wow, and then Amanda tried a pill too, and I think it was obviously. and I think
1: that's really, really powerful because that is. It's usually how it goes. You don't go into something being like, oh, I'm just going to be full-blown committed into this. You know, like she said, she's right. like, oh, you know, maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'm going to drink and smoke and okay, I'll try the one pill, but I'm not going to do this. And you, you've you got that, that, that yeah. threshold, but you keep crossing it. You keep pushing those boundaries and it's always the one time.
0: Yeah. And that police chief the other night, he brought up something to me that I, I had never, thought about before because I brought this up, I I think the way I said it to him is like, I understand why addicts continue to use. What I don't understand is why they start in the first place. And he goes, Oh, people lie to them. I was like, well what do you mean? He goes, well they say this is only addictive if you inject it or it's only addictive if you snort it. But if you eat it, you know, if you just take a pill, then you're fine. So they've been lied yeah. to. And and you might say, mm-hmm. well why are they so naive to to you know fall for that but most of them are kids man <laughs> most of the time yeah. they're kids so yeah, yeah it's uh you, that one time yeah you don't
1: really have a lot of a, a lot of uh, situations where you know somebody's just walking into a party at 55 years old and being like I gotta try this right like it, right it is. it's it's situational it's experimenting it's pushing that rebellion and not in every case but I, I you know in in often ones that i've heard it that is kind of how it starts or you know like they've been it, it's all and it, a lot of it is it is a trust factor too into like other people like you're saying like it's like oh or yeah it's not addicting or just have one or whatever it's not going to do anything to you just one time
0: and know? it's even more dangerous for now me. i mean uh Sorry, I keep going back, but that conversation mm-hmm. with that police chief, he he was telling me about, they find presses all the time. And I was like, what are presses? He's like pill presses. So they will put extremely dangerous pills into innocuous looking little things. So a kid might think that they're taking uh, something they shouldn't take anyway, but maybe like a Xanax or something like that. But it ends up being. oh, and it's
1: got fentanyl in it. Yeah, they die. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I've had those conversations with my kids and, and, um, like, I can't believe I have to have this conversation, but I feel like I have to, I, I, it was just a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago. I sat down with our oldest daughter and her boyfriend. And then our next two oldest came in and I was like, Hey, listen, guys, I don't think that you would ever purposefully go out and just do drugs. I just don't think that you're, you're that way, but if you ever are tempted, let me tell you what is happening right now. I, like these, yeah. um, these, you know, cause that's been on the, it's been on the news. Like for the last year, I read a book. What was the name of that book? oh i can't remember the name of the book i'll think of it but um described the whole chain of where the chemicals come from chemicals are manufactured in china they're shipped to mexico and now cartels aren't they don't even need like hide in the jungle they're in warehouses and office complexes having these labs building designer drugs exactly they want to the way they want to design them and they turn them into pills that look fun stuff like that like but you don't know what's in it please never experiment please stay safe
1: oh yeah so yeah oh and that can be anywhere i mean like canada too right now like it's huge huge issues with with fentanyl like in in what you know quote unquote would be like a mundane drug and and kids are trying it or they already have you know regularly used it and their body is is fine with it and they do the same dose and all of a sudden they're dead because uh it wasn't what was actually in there. I've had the same conversation with my 16-year-old daughter. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard, but um, I mean, if you're not having those conversations, you're really doing a disservice in, in pretending that this stuff isn't going on and that they're not exposed to it. it. No matter what neighborhood you're in, no matter what upbringing you are, this is everywhere. 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 Yeah. And I think that that's important to have and make people aware of and listen to these types of things, because this is exactly what it can lead to no matter who you are, what upbringing you have.
0: You know, and Leslie, like she told me one time, she's like, the drugs were never part of my life. I I was completely surprised when my children, it's not just her child, her children were caught up in this epidemic of opioids in Buffalo at, at yeah. that time. Yeah. And uh, she and that was up... big
1: at that time too, right? I think that's also important to recognize yeah. is that. Yeah, it
0: waved through. It was like just washed through Buffalo, all right. the kids. Right. And uh, yes. she ended up mortgaging her house because the Suboxone Clinic wasn't covered by any type of insurance or anything like that. So she ended up losing a house trying to uh, make Amanda and Danielle well. And, and if you talk to her, she says, and I'll do it again and again and again until it works.
1: Yes. Mama. Yeah. Oh, heartbreaking. Well, I think, um, I, I, am so thankful for you to get Danielle on here to allow people to kind of see that side. And, and now I know for sure, we're going to have a lot more people in the army listening
0: Yeah. So just go to waiting. Wait,
1: we're waiting for our call out.
0: Yeah. If we could build that list, serve. I think that list has about 400 people. Now, if we, if we could get 5,000 people in there and when the time comes, everybody gave a couple bucks that would get it done. Oh my and gosh. I feel really confident that we could prove that she was stunned with an electrical device, hoping that her body is in a good enough condition to test it.
1: Okay. That's what we're doing. That's what we do. Love you. See you next time.
0: I love you too. <laughs> I think you're terrific.